God, where are you? I feel I'm being consumed by this pain. It overwhelms me and it drives me into a bottomless pit of depression. My thoughts overtake my brain and all I can think about are the things that are crushing me. Life is so full of hurt. I have forgotten anything else. It seems as though nothing else will be. God, don't let this misery be in vain. Please make me into the man that you want me to be. You promised that all things will be made for my good, and I have nothing else to lean on but that promise. Thank you for your word. When I meditate on it, I do find comfort. When I read your truth, I am changed. Even now, in all of this pain, I believe you're at work. Thank you for your love. Please give me peace. I need that more than anything, your peace. Thank you for hearing me, and thank you for guiding me. Please bring me through this victoriously. I love you, Lord, I really do. And thank you for loving me. I wrote those words in June of 1992. And when the pastors were talking about entering into this uh, time of lamentations and lamenting before God, I shared with them that I wanted to share with you all the transforming power that this process has in our lives. When I wrote these words, I had no idea that I was writing a lamentation or a lament before God. I had a conversation with a woman this past week who was here last week, and she said she'd never heard the word lament. And uh, I got thinking, there's probably more than one of us in here that hasn't heard the word or may not know what the meaning is. So I looked it up. Lament in Webster's says to feel or express sorrow, mourn, or grief. And a lamentation is a wailing cry, an utterance of grief. This process that the pastors want us to undertake is one that becomes very personal when we cry out to God, I can tell you that this journal didn't stop in 1992. It continued on, and I see God's hand through this process. I was having a conversation with, with Eric this week about this service, and we were praying about what God might do through it all, and some of the conversations we had, it seems contradictory to lament or cry out to God when so often we're told to do everything with uh, joy and thanksgiving and uh, to be happy. That's what we're taught. So it, it seems a little contradictory to lament. But I want to share with you something from the Gospel of Mark, <clears throat> chapter 14 and verse 35. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his cru crucifixion. He went a little further and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. That is a lamentation. That is Jesus Christ lamenting to the Father. So it's not contradictory to lament at all.
Thanks, Paul. This morning, I want us to, to turn to, to Psalm 69. And in Psalm 69, we have this lament psalm. And we're going to break it down this morning. You'll, you'll notice that in every psalm, in every lament psalm, there are three components. There's three categories. There's God, there's us, and there's others. And, and, and we're frustrated oftentimes, and so we cry out. And, and Pastor Dan talked a couple weeks ago about the importance of crying out to God, to complain to Him. And, and as I was thinking about this, uh, I started thinking it, it's very easy for us oftentimes to complain to other people, right? But really, what good is that? Even if you complain to, to your, your spouse or to your best friend or, or your mom or whoever it is, and they're the best listener ever, right, and you're complaining to them, you're frustrated, you're crying out to them, what can they do for you? Nothing. Pat you on the back, tell you everything's going to be okay. But yet God knows what you need. God knows the outcome. He knows the answer. He knows the solution. And so to think about, to wrestle with, with this lament, our, our cry that we're, we're pouring out, it needs to be to him. And so in Psalm 69, it starts out with this address. where it, It's a psalm that's written to God. Verse 1, we see, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. See, he's going through this, this trial, this this thing that he's literally says he's drowning. And so he's crying out to God. It also, a lament, includes complaints. <laughs> Verse 2, I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I've come into the deep waters. The flood engulfs me. I'm worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. In verse 4 he says, Those who hate me, here's the others. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs on my head. That sounds like a pretty heavy complaint, doesn't it? Those who hate me without reason, they outnumber the hairs on my head. Many are my enemies without a cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Wow. To complain to him. It includes requests, to make a request to God. Again, it's, it's back to him. In verse 6, we see a request. God, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me, O Lord, the, the Lord Almighty. May those who seek you not be put to shame because of me, O God of Israel. When we make a, a request like this to God, it is crucial. It is so important that we understand who we're complaining to. See, this isn't just some God. This isn't just your spouse or your friend or your mom. This is, is the living God. This is the God of creation. This is the God who is all-knowing, who is everywhere, who is all-powerful. And to trust in his attributes, to understand who he is, should change everything. In youth group right now, we're talking to the teens about the attributes of God. We've been studying this here on Sunday mornings for the past several weeks. But see, do we just know in our heads who God is, or do we truly live it out? Because if we're truly convinced and we believe that He is the God who He says He is, that He's all-powerful, that He's all-knowing, that He's good, that He's provider, 
that he's sovereign, that he's all these things, then shouldn't our lives look different? Shouldn't they? And so we have to have an expression of trust. And in verse 13, we see the but. I'm going to complain and I'm going to present my request to you, God, but I know... And in verse 13 he says, But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. An expression of trust is is everything in a lament. To cry out to him is easy to do. To to complain to him, hopefully, is easy to do. To to make a request is easy to do. But to, to make an expression of trust Sometimes we struggle with that. That's sometimes where I think we can get hung up. And really, the key to this one, to, to, to making an expression of trust, I believe with all of my heart, is understanding what God has done. You have to look at the past and see how he has worked in your life to be able to move forward, to be able to trust in him again. And so, big or small, the, the time where you've trusted in him, where you've put your faith in him, where you've seen an outcome happen in God's hand, in his timing, in his favor, for his good, for his will. Maybe not our own, maybe it wasn't, it didn't come out the way that we wanted it to, but when that happens, and we can remember that and look back to that, it makes it so much easier to put our trust in him again. And finally, he includes a praise. In verse 30 of, of Psalm 69, we see this, I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. We can look at at lots of different lament psalms and see different phrases, different wordings that they use to give praise, honor, and glory back to him. Whether it's, I keep on rejoicing, I keep giving thanks, my lips will never stop singing, I will not stop crying out. It's this idea of praise. And I want to point something out to us. It's easy for us to read through. We could... take five minutes and read through Psalm 69. We could look at all of the verses of this, and it might take us five minutes to read that. You might read another lament psalm, and you might breeze through it fairly quickly. And it's easy because we can do that in in a short period of time to think, to assume, that the author wrote that in in a 15-minute time frame. That they sat down, and in a matter of minutes or half hour, an hour, they wrote out this lament. And see, I believe that these laments were written over long periods of time. Days, weeks, months, maybe years. And I think that we need to relate to that. Because right now, some of us, we're lamenting. We're hurting. We're crying out to Him. And it's easy to think that if we do that, then the praises will come today. And that's not often the case. In the same way that Paul said that he's been writing, journaling, getting all of this out for years. It is tremendous. That's commendable. But the fact that that the praises don't often come immediately, we need to keep that in mind. There's some key words that the psalmist will use in their laments. I am. You'll see this frequently. God, I'm, I'm sinking. I'm drowning. I'm frustrated. I'm in a pit. I'm frustrated. I'm discouraged. I'm despaired. I am Fill in the blank. This morning we're going to write our own lament. What are you? Fill in the blank. And then you'll see a but, or however, or therefore, or a transitional word 
something that, that, that changes our focus from ourself to who God is. And then you'll see a, but God, you are. You are good. You are faithful. You are provider. You are all-knowing. You are sovereign. You're in control. You are good. You are for me. You're with me. You're near. What's the you are? And oftentimes it's so connected to the I am. If I'm feeling defeated, then I need to know, but God, you are conqueror. You are for me. Who can be against me? And then there's this thought of this ongoing process, this continuing. God, would you keep on showing me your grace? Would you never stop loving me? This idea of it, that it's ongoing. The, the, the number one key that I want us to think about this morning. I loved Paul's uh, definition. Of course, it's from Webster, so that's good. Um, but I want to add to that. Okay, I want us to understand that to lament means to bring our problems to God. That, that's the that, that first part we're good at. We're good at bringing our problems to God. But there's a second part of this, to bring God into our problems. And if we're honest, that part, we stink. We're not good. It's hard to do that. Because if you're like me, you come to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and you bring your problems to Him during this time of worship. We bring our problems to Him in prayer. We bring our problems to Him. As we're listening to the messages, we bring our problems to Him. Maybe you've, you've literally come to the altar. Maybe you've, you've literally gone to the cross. And you brought your problems, your requests to him. You put them down. You left them there until you left this place. And when you get to the parking lot, you've picked them right back up again. And now as you're driving home and you're, you're, you're at lunch and you're talking with your family, your friends, you're, you're processing all over again how to solve your problem. Has anybody ever done that before? Or am I making this up? Because I do this all the time. It's ridiculous to lament. Guys, it has to go both ways. We have to bring our problems to God, but more so we need to bring God into our problems. If we fully understand who he is and we do trust in his attributes, we know in our heads that he's good, that he's for us, that he's faithful, that he's our provider, that he's sovereign, that he's all-knowing, then why don't we bring him into our situations? our frustrations, our problems? Why don't we rest in him? Why don't we give him room to work in our lives? Why don't we wait, slow down, see what God is going to do? So what are you lamenting about? What's that thing that's heavy on your heart? Maybe it's, it's a loss of a child. Maybe you couldn't have kids. Maybe it's the loss of a job, or maybe you didn't get the job that you wanted. Maybe you're being treated unfairly at work. Maybe there's problems in your marriage. Maybe there's financial burdens that are hanging over you. Maybe you're single. See, there's, there's a lament that's quick, that's easy for us to say. When the past several weeks we've been preparing you as, as a congregation, hey, we're going to be writing a lament. And so maybe your husband or your wife or your friends or your family have asked you, what's your lament? And you say the thing that's quick and easy to answer the question. For me, recently, 
Uh, I'll give you an, an example. I, I've been uh, without a car. I, I had a Toyota Camry. Um, it was a piece of junk. I bought it for a dollar for my sister. I, I got in a fender bender, and they totaled it. And so it was very easy for me to say, I'm lamenting about my car. I'm trusting that God is good, that he's going to provide for me. And he has. He's provided a new car. And yes, praise God. But that's not the thing that's heavy on my heart. That's the easy lament. That's the thing that's most comfortable for me to tell people. See, the thing that's harder, the truth that's inside of me that I don't often like to say that I don't like to speak out loud. I don't want to tell people this because it's scary. It's vulnerable. It's real. It's hard. I, I can't control it. It's the fact that I'm still single. And you might laugh. <laughs> I do too sometimes. All of my friends, or a lot of my friends, uh, especially from college, are married. They're having their second and third and fourth Children, I'm going to be 29 next month. That's hard for me as a youth pastor. I feel like I'm getting old. Uh, Every time we play football, I get injured anymore. Um, I know I'm not young anymore. But I'm still, I know, relatively speaking. I'm I'm still, (laughs) but I'm still crying out to the Lord. I know that he has someone for me. And believe me, this is not me complaining to you because I, Some of you have tried to fix me up before. (laughs) Thanks, but no thanks. Um, I'm trusting in God, okay? So I'm going to lament and, and, and complain and cry out to Him because I know that He has a plan for me. And guys, I'm finally starting to realize that. And that's the thing that for years has been so hard for me. A few years ago, I'll be even more open A few years ago, I I was in this relationship, and it ended, and I was angry, and I was bitter, and I was frustrated with God. And I remember week after week after week coming here into this very room, and during worship, everybody would be singing and raising their hands, and they would be joyful, or so it seemed. And my soul would just be churning. I would be frustrated. Though outwardly, I would be putting on a good face. I would be singing and, and worshiping. And I, I, I was, it was an 11 o'clock service. I was sitting in the back corner. There was teens around me. And, and I'm worshiping, but inside I'm wrestling. And I just kept feeling week after week, God saying to me, Eric, you've got to give this up. You've got to get it, give it to me. You've got to put it in my hands. And more importantly, I kept hearing him say, and you've got to count me in. You've got to leave room in your life for me to work. Do you trust me? And I didn't. And I wrestled with that. I sought out Margie Brubaker for counseling, and she kept telling me, Eric, you've got to get this out. You've got to write it down. You've got to start journaling. And so uh, a few years ago, I I started a, a Word document called Journaling Original. I sat down for half an hour in front of a computer screen that was blank, and I thought, I've got to start writing. And I couldn't do anything. Like, nothing was coming out, and I was so frustrated and just discouraged, and I didn't know what to do. And eventually, I just started typing. I don't know that my fingers have ever flown so fast. And after days and weeks of just writing... I would look back at that and be like, whoa, I said that? 
That's how I was feeling. That was what was inside. It was ugly. But I had to get it out. And so then a few weeks later, I remember coming in again to this room, to this place, after I'd started this process of journaling, of lamenting. And again, we were worshiping. I was, I was in the back corner. There were teens around me. And I just was broken. I remember during the worship song, I was like, I, I can't even stand. I got on my knees. I, I, I put my head in my hands. There's, there's probably like tear stains on one of those chairs back there because I just lost it. And I weeped bitterly for what felt like the entire service. And I didn't care who was around me. I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care what was going on because that was my time where I said, okay, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm trusting you with this. And boy, that was hard. Some of you still have yet to come to that point. For some of you, my prayer is that that's today. As a church, as leaders, as pastors, as elders, we're lamenting. We are going through a time right now in our church that is hard. And oftentimes, we don't want to speak to it. Oftentimes, we don't want to talk about the debt that is, is looming over us as a church, as individual families. But it's there. We're doing what we can. We're trusting that God's going to continue to lead us. But it's hard. As leaders, as pastors and elders, we lament. We cry out. We mourn the families who have been here for a short time or for a long time, and then God takes them elsewhere. They leave. That's hard for us. As pastors, we love each and every one of you. We love being able to get to know you and, and minister alongside of you and partner for the gospel. But when, when people leave, oftentimes I think it's perceived that, that the pastors are just like, oh, well. <laughs> no. We cry out. That's hard. And so we're lamenting. We're not perfect as pastors. We make mistakes. I stick my foot in my mouth more than I do food. It's hard. It's really hard. We're human. We make mistakes, and yet we're looked at to be perfect. We understand that people might choose this church because of us being able to meet their needs, and yet we're saying it's about Him. It's about serving. It's about doing what God wants us to do. And so it's hard. As a church, we're lamenting. But we fully believe, and I'm confident I can speak on, on behalf of the pastors and elders and the staff of this church, that we fully believe that we are on a path to rejoicing, to great praise, where God is doing something that we can't even ask, think, or imagine. And we cannot wait for that day when this room is filled and overflowing with people who are just crying out to the Lord. There aren't these things that are holding us back, that are weighing us down. We are passionate about worshiping Him, about serving Him, about being in the center of His will. But in order to get there, we've got to lament. We've got to bring our problems to God, and we've got to bring Him into our problems. In a minute, I want to give us time to do that. In your bulletins, hopefully you have one, if the ushers want to start passing those out. There, there's a, a slip of paper. And if you're like me, on the front side of the paper, there's these five things. An address to God, a complaint. There's nice, neat little boxes that you can write 
your request to him. You can write your, your expression of trust in that box. But I understand not everybody's like me. And so maybe you just need space. And so on the back side of that, there is lines that you can write on. I, I even wrestled with having Verlin take off the lines because maybe you, you don't want to have to write on them. You just want to go. Maybe, I don't want anybody to have an excuse not to do this this morning. Maybe you're not big on writing. So maybe what you need to do is you need to just get on your knees and you need to cry out to the Lord. Maybe you need to come to the altar or go to the cross. But this is a time for just you and God. Husbands, wives, you know, fathers, mothers, don't be elbowing anybody next to you. This is a time for you just to be alone with the Lord. If you come up to the altar or if you're, you know, you get on your knees or maybe you get on your face before the Lord, if, if you need to do that and you need to truly just cry out to him, no pastor, no elder, no staff person, we're not going to come and pray for you. We're not going to come and lay hands on you. Because God's there. He's near you. He's here. He's with you. This is a time for us to just start writing, to get it out. What's the thing that's heavy on your heart that you desperately need God for? Would you be willing to just start writing? Get it out. In a few minutes, I'll close this time. cut you off. Go ahead and stop. Put your pens down. Feel like you're in school again. <laughs> For some of you, that may have felt like seconds. For some of you, that may, it may have felt like hours. I, I really hope that you're just getting started, though. I absolutely do not want that five minutes that we just had to be the end of our time of lamenting. My prayer for the past several weeks has been that, that at the end of this service today, some of you would just need to bolt out of here at the end of the service to go and sit in your car or to just go and be alone and just continue writing. Like that you couldn't wait to just keep expressing your concerns, bringing your request to him. The thing that, that I, I know we're going to wrestle with that I've already admitted that I, I wrestle with is this thought, this concept that we've got to bring God into our problems. This is a form of, of bringing our request and our, our, our problems to him, but we've got to continue to bring him into our problems. So resist that urge to, to brainstorm and think on your own, but trust him. Allow him to work. Allow him space to move in your life but keep writing, keep talking to him, keep communicating. There's several things that I want to encourage you to do with this, with your lament. The first one, keep it somewhere where you can continue. Continue writing, continue journaling, continue whatever it is that you need to do, but bringing those requests to him. The second thing is that I want you to go back and look at these 
go back and look and see how your expression of trust or of faith and how he's working, how he's moving, how he's answering those prayers. That is so good to do. That's so beneficial. There are prayers and and requests that you will write down, things that you will journal and, and record that maybe you will forget about in the upcoming days or weeks, but go back and look at those and see how God is moving, how he's answering those prayers. Another thing that I want you to do This one's going to be hard, but share it with somebody. Share it with with someone. Because here's an appropriate time for you to present that to somebody else. For them to pray. Not for them to fix your problems, but for them to pray. For them to continue to encourage you. Keep lamenting. (laughs) Keep going. Keep seeking Him. There's a couple of different options that you'll have with this on our Thanksgiving Eve service next month. You will have the opportunity to present some of these laments if you want. If you wish to do so, email me. I will put them on our church blog anonymously. I'm probably the person on staff that has the least amount of emails, so you can just send it to me. Don't attach a name. I'm not going to know who you are. We'll put it on the blog anonymously so that we can share these things with other people. Because I believe with all my heart that God is moving, that he's stirring things up within us. But what are we going to do with them? Are we going to turn them over to him? I hope so. I really do. I believe that there is a time of praise that's going to just be incredible. For me, when, when I was wrestling with this, when I didn't want to lament, when I didn't want to present this request to him, my time of worship, when we would sing, the praise team would be on the stage, it, would, it was just going through the motions. And maybe for you, that's, that's been the case. You're just kind of like, ah, it just isn't clicking. And there's a lot of reasons why we might justify that. I'm just not awake today, I haven't had my coffee, or whatever. I can't read the words on the screen, or the the speakers are bad, and we can't hear the the, the praise team. We have all these excuses. But have you ever thought that maybe it's your heart? That maybe there's something that you really need to give over to God and invite Him into your situation that then you can praise. See, in Philippians, Paul already referenced this, but in Philippians, in chapter 4, we've heard it, this verse, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. We've heard that. We've been taught that. We know that. And so this feels contradictory to that. This is confusing. We're like, yeah, but we're supposed to do everything without complaining or arguing. But yet this verse, that's not the end. That's not the end of the chapter. That's not the end of what Paul's writing about. Because he goes on and in verse 5 he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6 he says, The key, do not be anxious about anything, but with everything, in everything, by prayer and petition and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. To Him. Bring your burdens to him because he's near, he's good, he's faithful, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. Bring your request to him. Don't be anxious. And then in verse 7 it says, And then the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For this morning, for us, for where we're at, for the needs, I wish that these were written in reverse order. I wish that, that it was... It started with verse 7. 
May the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Then let your gentleness be evident to all, knowing that the Lord is near. Then rejoice always. Because for us, that's how it's going to work. That's how God's going to stir in our lives. When we are not anxious, but we just present these requests to him, we continue saying, God, here's my problems, and I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to leave room in my life for you to work. We'll see that the Lord's near. We'll feel him. We'll know that he's moving in our lives. We'll be able to rejoice. I want that so badly for us. Don't hold back. Let's let it out. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for meeting us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways that you're you're wrestling. You're stirring up things in our hearts, Lord, that we don't know what to do with. But God, I pray that we would bring them to you. God, I pray that we would trust you. God, I pray that we would feel your presence, that we would know that you're here with us. Because God, our hearts are heavy. We're burdened. We're discouraged. We're frustrated. But God, we know that you are good. We know that you are faithful. We know that you're powerful, that you're sovereign, that you're all-knowing, and that we can trust in you. So God, would you show us that? In the situations, in in the, the things that, Lord, are not easy for us to speak or talk about. God, would you help us to just turn these things over to you? Would you show us the ways that you're working in our lives? God, that it would be easier and easier day by day to trust in you. Lord, and that by the end of all of this, we would be able to praise, wholeheartedly praise you. And God, I love that your word tells us to praise you in the midst of the storm, to praise you when everything falls apart. God, to praise you through the trials. God, would you help us to learn how to do that too? Because singing your praise and, and singing, giving you thanksgiving, Father, is the key that will help unleash all of this. God, it will give us a a bigger perspective. We pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.